welcome to the Sugar and Spice Unfiltered Therapist Podcast. I'm April. And I'm Kelvette. And we are here to talk all things therapy. Let's go. So let's dive in. We talked about therapy 101, therapy for beginners. What do you got? Also, so when you think about therapy 101 or therapy for beginners, most people have to wonder, when do I know that it's time to go ahead and get a therapist? How do I know that's what I need? Mm -hmm. I think some people teeter back and forth between do I just need some self-care some mm-hmm. me time or do I need some real clinical help newsflash clinical help is self-care but when do I know that I need to get therapy what do you think mm, I think that therapy is good regardless of what makes you decide to go get it even if I think that there should be something where people do yearly checkups like almost like you go to your doctor yearly going and checking in on your mental health yearly what am i doing okay are you seeing anything as a clinical professional is this something that i should be worried about a mental health physical that you have to do every year maybe not even every year maybe every three years you do your mental health physical make sure that everything's in working condition because i i think that is a great place to start if you have no idea if you need therapy or not, maybe every couple of years you just check in with a professional, um, especially if you're thinking that you might need it. I think that's a really good point. And you know what? The insurance companies, we said it first, so please make sure that you pay us if you do that. But <laughs> uh, I, I really feel like you know you need therapy when you feel like I'm not coping or functioning in a way that I feel like I can manage. Mm-hmm. Something feels off. Right. Even if you don't know what that off feeling is, I think that's a good time to go ahead and talk to somebody. And I think most of us do that when we're doing conversations with a friend or checking in and when we're feeling like that's not enough or I don't feel comfortable talking to my friend. Mm-hmm. Like the feedback that I'm getting isn't really hitting where I need it to so that I feel like I can cope and move forward. It's time to get some professional help. And it's not scary. Everyone needs someone to talk to. Sure. Absolutely. I also think that if your fear is I'm going to go to therapy and then they're going to be, they're going to make me stay in therapy or they're going to tell me that I need therapy. Mm-hmm. Recognize that a lot of times your therapist or practitioner is not going to have you in therapy if you don't need it. Absolutely. So there, there has to be clinical significance for the therapist to, to continue to work with you under the guise of insurance. But under the guise of private practice or private pay, you're, you can see your therapist. If you need it, if you need to see a therapist, Absolutely. Like, that's just how it works. Even under the guise of insurance. I think it's become increasingly easier to go ahead and justify things. We can make something stick. <laughs> we can make something shake if you need it. Because let's be honest, you coming to sit in my office for 55 minutes for me to go ahead and then, okay, I can diagnose. That's tough. That's tough. That is tough. Yeah. Usually that first 55 minutes, we're, whatever we're starting with is not likely what we're going to end with. It's mm-hmm. a place for us to start so we can figure some stuff out. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, it's an underdiagnosis. Sure. Sport should be. Sure. Some people like to overdiagnose. No. You wouldn't be surprised. I've seen some people diagnose and label somebody with three, four diagnoses in that one session. And I'm like, how did yeah. you get that? We're, like, all of this doesn't even connect. And how are you using this same symptom of lack of concentration mm-hmm. for the ADHD, the anxiety, and the PTSD? What are you doing? You have to be able to differentiate your diagnosis. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. More clinical excellence, but okay. Yeah. I just honestly think though, if you feel like something isn't right and you can't put your finger on it, it's okay to go ahead and get a second opinion. 
and go in under the guise that maybe I'm just going for this one session. Yeah. I'm testing it out. Yeah. Test the waters just like you would go into a first date and not think that, oh, this is going to be my, my man or my woman or right. whatever after that. Get your therapist. Because if you come in, I'm not a fit. I'm not mad. Mm -hmm. If I wasn't a fit, move on to find the next person because you need to be really comfortable. I agree. I agree. I love the term clinical excellence so much that I haven't been able to think about anything else since she said it. So, sorry. <laughs> I, I have to do better, people. Constantly be learning. Clinical excellence. That's. Please buy that from our merch store that's coming soon. <laughs> T-shirts. I'm a therapist and I specialize in clinical excellence. Clinical excellence. Yes. Because some of us, oh no. Uh, some of us questionable questionable, questionable. yeah <laughs> some of us i'm brand spanking new and i'm just the dsm is my bible and i'm just flipping pages and picking shit <laughs> but it's too much it's too much this look right this look like a good diagnosis okay like, when you no. start like secretly when you start isn't that how you feel when i was like a new baby therapist i think I was so scared to do anything wrong that I actually, the right answer is always ask your supervisor. Yes. That's the right answer for every question that you have until you are independently licensed. And then even after is ask your supervisor or ask somebody with a higher level of Absolutely. expertise. Those are my favorite staff to supervise. The ones that drive me a little bit crazy or call me all the time. They're my favorite staff to supervise because ultimately I know they've always dotted their I's and crossed their T's. They're mm -hmm. calling me, they're getting feedback and they're, they're covering themselves because ultimately if something is questionable, mm -hmm. it's going to fall on me. And they can tell you that when I don't know, I'll say, hold on, let me call somebody above me right. and then I'll call you back. And that person above me has sometimes had to call someone above them because we're all figuring out, well, what do you think? What do you think? Because if this house of cards comes tumbling down it's gonna be oh, whoever is above us i agree uh, but if that's how you learn and that's how you grow because you know now that i've heard the answer to the question i'm mm -hmm. not gonna need to ask it again now i know how to handle this particular issue absolutely and i also think the other part is that if you're seeking out higher people above you to help you solve problems it actually helps you to prevent the house of cards from falling down mm -hmm. because you're getting input from multiple people from multiple different faculties a lot of times like we both aren't the same background and right. I think that also helps to have a wide array of uh, people that you consult with or that mm -hmm. you like look to but your number one person that you're always going to is your supervisor absolutely so that was a side that he said wasn't therapy one-on-one that was about being a clinician one-on-one, which may be another episode, but getting back to Ooh, I love that. Um, therapy one-on-one, now that we know when it's time to go ahead and seek a therapist, yes. how do I choose a therapist? Where do I go? Okay, great question. I think a lot of people, the first place that they're going to go, if they have open lines of communication with peers and friends, is them. People ask other people. That's how a lot of my people that I work with find me, is through family, friends, neighbors, coworkers. Okay. Hey, do you know a good therapist? And then they can spread the word. Do you want to share your therapist though? I guess that's the question. If you have a good therapist and you have someone who needs therapy, do I want to give my connect? Do I want you seeing my therapist? I don't know if they know that I know. That's a whole nother thing. It is. Because sometimes I'm sitting there and I'm like, 
I just heard this story two weeks ago. No, I don't say that. I'm trying to be thinking that. Like, I just heard this story from another perspective two weeks ago. Oh, you can make it down slightly. Oh, that's her. Oh, wow. And you keep replaying it, but then you keep the professional. But then even with that, now I got all the pieces of the puzzle, and I'm like, Never to matter. Well, both y'all wrong. Let me help Never you. Never <laughs> But I do think that happens. I think that happens when people like the same type of therapist. Yeah. But if that's the case, and you don't want to see the same person that I see, I can always give you a referral to someone that's similar, or I can always give you a referral just in general. Yeah. The other place that I think a lot of people look to find therapists is psychology today. Yeah. It's well, just the hub of all hubs. It is. And it's because you could filter. But before you even get there, okay. I want people to know, call your insurance. Okay. Because Good. we know finances can be a barrier. Mm. And you would hate to find someone that you love. And mm. then, oh, you're not paying with my insurance provider. What do I do? That's good. Check with your insurance. Because if money is a big factor, you want to go there before you go anyplace else. Because you don't know if I have your insurance. And I might have a wonderful therapist. Mm -hmm. Or you don't know if I pay out of pocket. And I can do that. But you can't. Check with your insurance. And if they have a list, look on the list and then start tweaking from that. Because that way, at least you have the peace of mind in that the finances isn't going to be a barrier. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. So contacting your insurance company. A lot of times the number's on the back of the card. Mm -hmm. So make it simple. I think a lot of people sometimes get referrals through their doctor, their practitioner. You can. And then even circle it back to psychology today. Use the filters, people. You can go on psychology today, filter by your insurance, filter by gender and decide that, okay, that's good. Do I want to go someplace or do I want telehealth? Let me go ahead and filter by that. Mm -hmm. And then the great thing is we all have pictures and a little bio. I cannot tell you how many people, when I asked, how did you find me? Oh, psychology today. And mm -hmm. I said, okay, well, tell me a little bit about what's going on. What are you looking for? I've had people tell me, you just had a really nice smile. I made a little video on mine and, and people say the same thing. They, they really like that that personal touch. personal touch absolutely so yeah i think using psychology today is a great place to look for a practitioner mm -hmm. and you can also filter by things like people that are lbgtq plus friendly absolutely. or lbgtq plus allied there's some other ones on there that are like by religious background by language there's a lot of filters that you can use so you can really hone down on what kind of practitioner you want to work with and if you are a clinician Take the time to really detail that profile. I had a supervisee that I'm working with mention to me that she's gotten a lot of LGBT or trans clients lately. And one of them noted, I think we feel safe with you because you took the time to put your pronouns on your profile, mm, mm. which let me know that you are aware that that's a thing. It's important yes. and it made me feel safe. And then a lot of clinicians maybe don't realize that's something that you can do. I don't know if it's something that you toggle or if you actually have to go ahead and type that in manually mm -hmm. and start to go ahead and just be aware of that particular factor that people are looking for. That's really you know, good. I felt seen because you put your pronouns out there. Yes. And then to be completely honest, I said, let me go check mine. Do I have my pronouns out there? Is that something that you just go ahead and click? Mm -hmm. Was I, I haven't checked it yet. <laughs> I need to. It's on my mental to-do list. But... I think that's a really big deal because I don't think we were paying attention or recognized that was big for somebody. It's on our website. So on the website, it has everyone has their pronouns on the website, but I don't know if I have it on my psychology today. So that, that's another way to look for a therapist. 
you can type in literally in the Google search bar. Therapist near me. Therapist near me. You can type in a therapist near me with an adjective that you're looking for. Female. You can type in therapist near me with the mental health thing that you want to work on. Mm -hmm. Depression. You can type in pretty much anything and it's going to bring up a list of practitioners. And then you can start to filter them down to, the, to what you need. Because ultimately, you know what makes you comfortable. Sure. Do I want to work with the female? Am I okay working with the male? Will I be okay working with someone of a different cultural ethnic background? Or yes. do I feel like I need to work with someone of that same culture? Does it matter to me if there are any particular religions factors being done in the office or if religion is a, a thing? Because some people mm -hmm. truly want to go to maybe something that's more like pastoral counseling because they feel like everything that I do is embedded in my religion or spirituality yes. and I need to be understood based upon that because if my therapist doesn't understand my background, they're not going to really understand why maybe I'm at this paradoxical place where something is wrong. Maybe sure. I'm struggling with something that's contradictory to the religion and I don't need you to tell me like, dismiss all that and do something else. I need you to understand why I'm struggling. Absolutely. I think that's good. Hmm. Yeah. And what are the other questions you have for therapy 101 or therapy for beginners? Let's see. <laughs> what do I need to expect when I go to therapy? Okay. I think no matter where you go, that initial appointment is going to be pretty cookie cutter. We have to do an assessment. So you're going to fill out paperwork, consents, everything that kind of gives you a lot of transparency about what to expect in that particular therapeutic setting. And then you're going to lay it there. Hmm. <laughs> you're just going to lay it out there. I think that's pretty much what happens. Yeah. I think the one thing that is a little different is because of the beauty of the internet and computer systems and all that good stuff, the electronic health record that we use actually sends out all the paperwork before mm -hmm. the first session. Mm -hmm. That makes it one step easier. So that first session, like you said, is just all talk, talk, talk. Yeah. Like we just gonna talk about everything. And some people are like, am I rambling? And I say, no. I say everything that you say, even the way you say it is important in this first session. Is your assessment structured or do you just let it ramble? Because I know from my perspective, for me to just be able to go ahead and follow your story in a linear pattern, to be able to get enough information so that, okay, I feel like I understand what's going on. It's going to be more closed-ended questions so that you can go ahead and just say, okay, give me a little bit of information about your family life. Give me a little bit of information about your previous mental health history. Is there medical history? Tell me a little bit about what brings you in and what you're struggling with. Not just come in and just, okay, talk to me today. Because then I feel like I can't focus to get all the pieces of the information for that first session if I'm not directing it. Yeah. So we have a structured intake. And then personal, everybody does it different. So I feel it in as you go. And I guide the work. So sometimes I even say this before we start. Some of these are short answers. Some of these are yes or no questions. If you feel like you're rambling, I, you're probably not. I'm going to take everything that you say today and use it in our work. I will stop you and ask questions as I need to. Mm -hmm. So I, I make sure that they know that I am going to at some point be like, oh, let's talk more about this. Let's talk more about this. So I really, but I really want you to just talk. Yeah. I want you to feel comfortable and, and we chat it up. Do you schedule more than the hour for an intake? The initial intake? Yeah. No, no. I usually do the first hour and yeah. then really try to focus in on getting the, hitting all those bullet points in that first session. Mm -hmm. 
and making sure that we're also doing the, the other parts as well. We try to squeeze it all in that first time. Yeah. I don't schedule more than an hour, but maybe I do. If I know I'm doing an intake with someone, I may make that a 90 minute block with the anticipation that we're only going to do an hour, but giving me some wiggle room if it goes over. Because mm -hmm. again, I've had some words just like the floodgates open and yeah. now you're literally grieving or you're in tears. And it's, I got to give you that space to do that and not say, okay. Can we get back to your family mm -hmm. mental health history? Can you tell me a little bit about this? I need to give you the space to give it to me. Mm -hmm. So I, I usually try to go ahead and schedule out, out in a block, but not anticipating using the whole block, but just to make you feel a little bit comfortable before the next person comes in. And that's hard. Like sometimes, I think that's a question that people ask. Am I going to cry at my first therapy session? I don't know. Are you? <laughs> but I, I think that's hard to know whether or not that's going to happen. So what I tend to do is I say, tell me as much about this as you can that you feel comfortable sharing yes. at this time. Because I also am being prepared for if the, you do get tearful, if you do need some time to grieve and then also prepare, I want to be able to let you have that space. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the first session isn't a time for technically therapy. therapy. No. It's assessment. It's assessment. Side note, have you ever been the therapist that's had someone cry and you run out of tissues? No, because I'm, I, this is a good topic. Cause I have. Do you, <laughs> when someone is crying in the therapy session as the therapist, do you give them a tissue? I don't give it to them that it's sitting there so they can access it as they need it. I'm not leaning over and handing it to them. It's right there next to that space, but there have big times where because again it's a shared office space sure. and if someone else had someone boohooing for like two hours previous they may have gone through all the clinics and you reach and just get one and i'm like oh let me go get you another box and i feel so awkward whenever that happens because i just feel like that is an expectation this is supposed to be a safe space yeah. i feel like i'm supposed to have everything there you know, I offer you a bottle of water if you need it. And there should always be unlimited tissues in the room because I just don't know how you're going to go ahead and process today. So that's happened to me. And whenever it happens, I just go, oh, I therapist. Why don't you have your tissues together? I usually have tissue I and I will never, ever offer you a tissue. I won't. Because in a way, that's telling the client that we want you to stop crying. So I, but some people say that's not the case and that's not how the client receives it. But I never give you, if you crying, let it out, cry. I want you to feel like this is the same space for you to cry. And if you're not reaching for the tissue, I'm not offering it because I know that if I offer it to you, that might be in your mind, stop let crying. Let me get it together. Get, I don't want you to get it together. Yeah. And that's why it just it's just sitting there accessible in the space. I actually hide the tissue in my office. I'm just kidding. Oh, I never did that. that. <laughs> you are a sociopath if you hide the tissue. Like, but it's there. It's, but... I have to be honest and say, I'm not picking it up. Let me shake the, this feel good out today. I don't ever pick it up and shake it to see how many tissues are in there. Mm -hmm. And maybe I should, because that's happened to me at least two, three times. And I'll just be like, the, the tissues sit next to the fidget toys. So mm -hmm. if they, if you never know what somebody might need. See, I don't have fidget toys, but I have hard candies, like Starburst and things like that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you need something. You need something. You need a little something. What's your so, palette? What's well, your palette? So there's that, that there. Um, and there's always tissues. But I don't really have too many fidget things. 
because when my kids come up prepared, I have a box and it's just, there's toys, there's crayons, there's paper, there's cards, there's mm -hmm. all of those things to choose from. Mm -hmm. And most of my adults don't necessarily need the fidget toys. Most of them come mm -hmm. in my adults, most you of my But you don't have them out, so you have no idea if they would use them or not. And most of mine come in and as they're walking through the door, they're starting to talk. They are. They're, but that's, they're, they're, they're sitting, sitting down, not sitting there. Doing it. And then as they go through the session, they look at the rain. It's a rainbow poppet and they live. They're like, yes, rainbow poppet. They get all up into it. So it's not necessarily that they need it or they even want it. But sometimes if it's there, they get into it. They get into and it. And see, I feel like they get into my candy. Our candy. They, they I'm candy candy more it's in the lobby. Candy. It's in the lobby. Candy's in the lobby. You get your candy before the session starts and then you have it for session. No. Or chips. I have them sitting there in the session, and some people just go in, grab a handful, and as they're talking, they're opening, they're eating. And some people fish it with the paper, but they're just popping it, popping it the, the whole time. They eat more candy than the kids. Sometimes I get nervous because people are so litigious. And I'm like, I just want you to enjoy a little snack. But I hope that they're not thinking, like, this candy makes me feel crappy. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. I if you don't want to eat no candy, don't eat the candy, y'all. Just leave it there. <laughs> and I, bring the snacks. We have snacks. No, but have you had anyone bring anything weird? I had someone bring a whole KFC box. I hope so. Session. I hope so. I hope they enjoyed it. They did. They, <laughs> they were here, and I was just because again, there wasn't. There's not like a table, and so I was just like unprepared. I was just like. I don't need a minute. Like sometimes people are say things like you're not supposed to be eating in session. But with technology, people do what they want now. They do. They do what they want. And as it's because that actually was one of the questions on the L I think it was the LISW test, one of those tests was like, are you allowed to eat with your clients? And there's an answer that is in the book. There but, but I think it depends upon the dynamic and the setting because we for the example, if you do community mental health and you're in that agency setting, yes. and particularly with kids, it's we get those common. kids it's all up here in the summertime, you're doing something, they're having a snack, you're having a snack, they're all relaxed, you're doing the work. I think it just looks a little bit different depending upon the environment and the population. I agree, but the question, the answer was no. That's the answer. <laughs> the answer was no. But as we all know, it's a lot of answers in the book that you're going to answer, and then when you get out in the field, right. it's contrary to that. I agree. <laughs> I agree. What else is on the list of things for therapy one on one? Therapy one on one. I think those were like the biggest top ones, just for the basics. Okay. When do I need to go? How do I pick one? When do I decide that it's time? And I think one that I want us to identify is how do I break up with my therapist? Mm -hmm. How do I know it's not a fit? First of all, there's no shame in breaking up with your therapist. You can ghost your therapist if you want to, but you don't have to. And I think a lot of people just start to ghost. They just start making appointments and no showing, making appointments and canceling. You don't have to do that. It blocks up our schedule. It impacts our day. It impacts the perception, the perceived amount of billing and time. If it's not going to work, I think it's okay to just say, I just, you know what? I just don't think this is a good time for me or I don't think this is a fit right now. Mm. So I want to cancel. I don't want to reschedule. I think that's okay. Okay. I think that I don't mind the client ghosting. 
after that first one, if we're done. But I also want you to use your assertiveness skills. I also want you to be able to say, like, yeah, this, this might not be a good fit at this time. And some of the ways that you might know that the client therapist fit is off is maybe you and your therapist don't have a lot to say to each other. Maybe there's a lot of therapeutic silence. Maybe there's, maybe you feel like you're always at conflict with your therapist, but not in a therapeutically helpful way. So those are some of the things to look for if you are having a difficult time with your practitioner. I think. I agree. So sometimes for some ghosting is good because I think some people don't like confrontation and they feel like it's going to be an awkward situation. Mm -hmm. But please know it's not awkward for us. If you were to go ahead and just share that, I just don't think it's a good fit or this is not a good time for me. That's okay too. Because honestly, if I'm not a good fit and this has happened, I've been able to provide referrals mm -hmm. for someone that might be a benefit. So just communicating might help you find someone else that works out versus being out there alone on the search all over again. Because yeah. I think that can be defeating if you have had two intakes and neither of them have been a fit. You start to feel like maybe therapy isn't my thing. And that's not the case. Maybe the therapist just wasn't your therapist. Right. And we can help you get to the right therapist. But just talk about it. Yeah. And that also might be related to the fact that when you're coming to your practitioner, you're not telling them what you want to really talk about, what yeah. you really need. And I think that's I think that's important for you to know what you want before you go. That's a question that's not on my assessment, but I always ask. What is the question? I always ask, what are your expectations of therapy mm -hmm. and what are you looking for in a therapist? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I usually get... I, I don't usually get a lot of feedback back on what are you looking for in a therapist because I don't think people really know. Mm -hmm. And it's like one of those things like you don't know until you're not getting it. Yeah. And once you're not getting it or you have a better idea of what the system or what therapy is like on a regular basis, then you can say, oh, I don't like that this happens or this is what I wish it would be like. And it helps you to formulate that concept of what does this relationship need to look like for me to be able to do my work. So I, I like to give that space for people to think about it. Yeah, and I've, I've, I've had a lot of clients ghost or not be interested in working with me anymore, and that's okay. Like, I hope that they find what they're looking for, but I've also had clients that then in the future come back because they're in a better space. Mm -hmm. They found that the it makes more sense at this time. So I, and I never take offense. I always think it's it, this is a perfect opportunity for you to practice those skills in real yeah. time. So, Absolutely. yeah. I think that wraps up therapy one-on-one. That sounds great. Perfect. All right. This is the Sugar and Spice Unfiltered Therapist Podcast. Thank you for watching. Catch you next time.